Welcome back to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you help other people. My name is Kate. I'm here with Leslie. Leslie, how you feeling? The better question is, how are you feeling? Good as hell. Yes, what? I'm always the one singing. It's I know. <laughs> All right. Yes, usually it is Leslie's uh, move to be the singer, but I don't know. I got Lizzo on the mind and... and I got some tunes, and I'm feeling good as hell. So uh, we're going to continue our four-part empathy series. <laughs> I'm sure Lizzo would be proud. <laughs> and let's see, last time we spoke about what is empathy and what is it not. And we gave a lot of examples. So this time I want to talk about first why are we even talking about empathy? Why does empathy matter? Is it just like being nice to people? Research shows it's a lot more than that. So I'm going to ask you first, Leslie, why do you think it is helpful or even important for people to be strong in empathy? Well, I think that we deal with each other on a daily basis. And the more, the better you deal with other people, the better life you lead. I don't know. Maybe that's just super vague. But um, I feel like when you can understand and other people, you're, you interact with them better. And you feel better, and they feel better, and the world is a happier place. The end. <laughs> all right, so we could just wrap it up there. Um, no, uh, in all seriousness, I agree with you. It's a big part of relationship building. And I don't think we need to tell our listeners that relationship building is a big part of life. I have a feeling that's why they listen in the first place. So um, often I try to help people understand that empathy is about helping other people feel understood. And there's actually some research that shows just helping a person feel understood can have a huge impact on them. Uh, I, I think it's too easy to dismiss that as simply just understanding, like, like as if that's not a lot. That's a lot if you can help a person feel understood. The first piece of research I want to reference here, I think we've actually referenced once in season one, and the citation's probably still on our website somewhere, but I'm just going to bring it up again. There was a study done, oh gosh, at this point, almost 10 years ago, but um, the title of the article when it was published was, uh, is low empathy toxic? And they were looking at therapy relationships and um, between like therapists and patients. And in this particular study, they enrolled people who were in the middle of a behavior change. They were looking to change something about their lives. And they randomized these patients into three groups. One of them met with a therapist who was considered very strong in empathy. One of them met with a therapist who was considered kind of low in empathy. And, and all that meant in this case was the therapist wasn't expressing understanding out loud. And then the third group didn't meet with a therapist at all. They were just on their own. And again, I know we did talk about this in season one, so people probably already know how this pans out, but it won't surprise you at all. The people who met with the therapist who was considered really strong in empathy and expressed it out loud, they changed their behavior the most. So it actually had a positive impact on them just to be understood. And then the ones who met with a therapist who had really low empathy changed the least. And the reason that's kind of important is that the people who were on their own did better. Think about that. 
that like you might be better off on your own than speaking to someone who doesn't really get you. What do you think about that, Leslie? I think more more than anything else, I'm thinking this is why representation matters and this is why it's so important that we have diversity everywhere. Like if you're looking for a therapist, you you want somebody that can really empathize and you and, and you know, I, I don't want to like limit, you know, to say like, okay, well you can't possibly empathize with somebody else, but I feel like uh, first, there is a ton of research that shows representation matters. And, and if, if folks are not familiar with that turn of phrase, what we mean is um, seeing people in the spotlight and the public eye who look like you, who have a life or a background similar to yours matters to people. What I'm trying to introduce is that it's not just that people like seeing uh, a doctor who's their same race or like having a teacher that who's their same identified gender. It's not just a preference. It also helps people be better. Uh, and so when you feel like somebody is understanding you, you don't just feel nice about it. You actually are in a better position to make changes in your lives and live a better, um, a, a more maybe satisfied or healthy or happier life. Um, so I talk about empathy a lot in my work and sometimes I'm training physicians and nurses and people work in healthcare and um, there was a really fascinating study that came out a few years ago that showed when healthcare providers show empathy for their patients, it can actually reduce the duration and the severity of things like the common cold. Like that's how powerful empathy. Yeah, yeah. If you couldn't hear that, Leslie said prayer works. Um, that just feeling like your provider gets it, just feeling like your provider understands and is, is listening to you and really hears you can actually reduce symptoms of like, like real illness, not just like having a bad day, but things that you might think are not connected to feelings in much, um, in, in a strong way at all. So, I, I'm emphasizing here, for me, the number one reason why we should be expressing empathy has nothing to do with just being nice and making people feel good. The number one reason is that when people feel understood, they are better off. It is a way to truly help someone. It's probably the main thing that I thought of when we initially came up with this podcast idea that like if people knew just how simple it can be to help folks, like just listen, understand and like say it back to them. It, it can, in many cases, be that simple. So uh, another reason why it can be really helpful to express empathy out loud, like not just think it, not just feel it, uh, not just believe things, but actually say out loud what kind of uh, understanding you have of someone is that it's an opportunity to clarify, right? So Leslie, if you come to me and tell me about your day and I say back to you what I think you've just told me and I'm wrong, well, then I've misunderstood and it's a chance for you to say, no, 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 Kate, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. Let me, let me clear this up. So it can be useful in that way. The other thing I'd like to say is, you know, this can really reduce a, the feeling of interrogation for people. Like rather than drilling them with a bunch of questions, if you're just trying to understand, you might just listen and say back what you've heard and listen and say back what you've heard. Um, and it can reduce the feeling of interrogation, but also reduce the feeling of being kind of violated with a lot of advice. Like I'm, I'm not giving anything or taking anything. I'm just taking what you are offering me. Um, and so in that case, 
I would say that this sort of active listening where you hear what a person's telling you and say it back to them can be a really helpful approach. You know, so this actually reminds me of somebody that I used to work with a while ago. And, um, you know, that that person had a she could really be three or four steps ahead of most people at all times. And what I saw that undermine her her impact as she was speaking to people in sort of like a counseling matter because, um, you know, she had already gotten to a point where maybe they weren't there yet. Yeah, so, you know, we're about to talk about some types of reflections and some of them are a little bit more simple, some are a bit more complex, and some just go way too far. And I think you're describing the ones that go way too far. Like if you say to me, um, you know, oh, Kate, I, I didn't sleep well last night, and I respond by saying, yeah, it was a really tough night for you because of your relationship with your mother. Oh, it's like, <laughs> what? What? Yeah, it's like, that is not what you were saying at all. You just said you had a rough night. And I took that like a hundred steps further with a grand, what we would call it a big interpretation. Uh, one that's inappropriate and went too far. So let's just be clear for the listeners. We're not suggesting you do that. We're, n- we're not telling you to take these big leaps where you're like putting words in someone's mouth. Um, it sounds like that's what your coworker was doing. It's like, oh, so you tripped and fell in the subway and now you're so embarrassed you can never go back again and you're scared to go down the steps and this is all because of that time you tripped when you were five years old. It's like, What? No, I'm just saying it was a rough day. And and you know, uh, unfortunately, I think what ended up what ends up happening was is that the the person who related that is sometimes like not they're not there yet or they didn't put that all together. This person is great at sol- solving puzzles, um but this person's like the the speaker was like, "Whoa. Um I'm not, I, I didn't realize that my tripping in the subway had to do with systemic uh, like issues of of navigating public spaces, and that this is all to do with the way that our government doesn't support pedestrians or something like that. Yeah, sometimes it's just too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's right now. You said that example, and I said back to you, "Yeah, it's too much. It's too much." And I think that's an example of a way to say back that I'm understanding you in just a couple of words, right? Like, oh, okay, you're saying the the reflection was too much. Um, And so one tip I have for this skill of active listening and reflecting back what you've heard is is it can be helpful just to be brief. Just be like, oh, it went too far, you know? And, And being brief can show that you really confidently understand what the person is telling you. So as I mentioned, there are different ways to do this. Um, You're going to hear us call this active listening, and you might hear me call it reflections or reflective listening. They're all the same thing. Um, It's basically the skill of expressing empathy. And that's what we're talking about for probably the next 10 minutes or so, is the skill of expressing empathy. So one way to do it is very simple. Um, Let's say Liam says, I am so done with this. Lola might say back, you're done. Now, that's not fancy. That's not a high-level skill. Lola is basically just saying back what Liam said, and that's fine. We would call that, in my work, a simple reflection. Um, It may be in other um, uh, practices, people might call that like a really simple active listening skill, or you're just saying back what you heard. 
Um, it can take you far to just say back what you heard and not change much, not put your own spin on it. However, if you keep using that person's words over and over and over again, and you are just repeating them word for word all the time, it might get annoying, right? So Leslie, if you come in tomorrow and say to me, I'm really tired. And I say back, so you're tired. You're probably, (laughs) you're probably going to look at me like, you're going to look at me like, that's what I just said. Why are you just repeating my words? So I would be careful with the simple ones and not overdo it. Um, because if you're leaning on these really simple reflections a lot, yeah, people might look at you like, you're just saying what I'm saying. Like, why? I feel like you're mocking me or something. And again, I'm not saying they're bad. I would just mix it up. We've got some other kinds of, of reflections or other styles of active listening that we're going to go through. This is just one. Um, you might choose to use it from time to time, but I wouldn't overdo it because people are going to be like, damn, Kate just says what I say right back to me. Yeah, I could I could understand that. Like, you'd be like, uh, uh, is this thing on? Did, are you a robot? Like, it w- So let's just read this example again. Liam says, I am so done with this. Now, actually, I think most people would say something like, just let it go, Liam. It's going to be fine. But as we said last episode, that is not empathy. That is telling someone what to do and how to feel. So empathy is showing that you understand. And Lola might say something like, you're really done. And that is basically clearing the path for Liam to elaborate and say more and keep sharing what he needs to share rather than Lola saying something like, just let it go. Like, who cares? Get over it. It's not that big a deal. It's all going to work out in the end. Or that makes me so angry, too. It makes me so angry because of this thing that happened to me. And let me talk about myself. Right. So as we go through these examples, I think it's helpful to also consider what people might say that wouldn't be so helpful. So rather than, um, and this is now the third time I'm going to use the same example, sorry, Liam says, I'm so done with this. Rather than saying, no, let it go, it'll be fine, Lola might say, you're really done. And that encourages him to keep going. All right, so then there are the kind of statements we could make to show empathy that are a bit more complex. So I'm going to start with one, and then I'll I'll turn it over to you in case you have some ideas. Uh, But I like to call this one identifying the feelings. So here, let's say Kendra says, I'm too nervous to ask my boss for a raise. Well, let's say she says that to Carlos, and Carlos wants to respond. He might ask himself, how does Kendra feel? when she's too nervous to ask her boss for a raise and put a feeling word to that. So maybe Carlos says, Kendra, it's really intimidating for you. And he's identifying how she might feel. Now look, he could be wrong. It's okay. Kendra might say, no, not really intimidated, just a little anxious. And that's fine. Now he's got clarification. It's not a crime to be a little bit off. But this is his best attempt at understanding and expressing what what he thinks she might be feeling. So let me just read that one more time. Kendra says, I'm too nervous to ask my boss for a raise. And Carlos responds with, it's really intimidating for you. And I think that what this does is allow Kendra the moment to refine her own feelings in that reflection. She's hearing that her, her, you know, how she's coming off back to her. It's letting her refine her own feeling on this and, and, you know, kind of prune it and say, well, you know what, not intimidated so much as um, just uh, fear of failure, you're workshopping it together, right? Um, I think that's really helpful that, that you know, these, I keep, I keep emphasizing 
that empathy is the attempt at understanding. When Carlos gets it wrong, um, when Carlos gets it wrong and he says, it's intimidating for you, and Kendra says, no, it is not intimidating, you're misunderstanding, Carlos has the chance here to prove just how good a friend he is when he goes, oh, okay, help me understand. And he doesn't get upset and he doesn't say, well, you know what? Forget it, Kendra. I'm trying to understand, okay? Listen, I have personally been in that situation where I'm trying to express something to a friend. The friend misunderstands. I let them know, no, I just don't think that you're understanding. And they get pissed off. Well, I'm trying my best, okay? And, you know, I can only do what I can do. So Carlos has a moment here to prove that he can be corrected and that's all right. And maybe he says, oh, thank you, Kendra. Thank you for helping me better understand this rather than getting frustrated and storming off. There's a real opportunity, even when you're wrong, seize the opportunity to be like, oh, I'm wrong and that's okay. Just help me understand better. That's all we're really trying to do. Do you have any other ideas about ways of doing this active listening thing? We've talked about like the real simple kind where you're kind of just saying it back almost word for word. We've talked about identifying the feeling. Um, I, I have at least one more, but I just wanted to touch base with you. Did anything come to mind? It, like these are some really good, like concrete, like things to say, but I think it's important to also make sure that our body language is, is active in this. Um, because if you're, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, um, doing something else or clicking through their email or reading their phone or something like that, um, you're not actively involved in the conversation and it also, if you're waiting to share your own anecdote, you're not actively responding. You're in competition. So well said. You're not actively responding. You're in competition. Or you're not attempting to understand. You're attempting to come out on top. Oof. Ooh. I usually cut out a lot of our long silences. I'm leaving this one in. Um, I, here's the thing, Leslie. All right, I'm going to talk about the listeners like they can't hear me right now. <laughs> I'll bet most of our listeners are saying, I don't do that. And yet, uh, it's, it's sadly so common. I witnessed that kind of competitive thing of, you know, I feel it worse or I feel it stronger or I've had a harder experience than you. I see that from some people who definitely don't think they're doing it. They definitely don't think they're doing it. Um, and so it's just hitting me hard that you're putting it that way because I'm hoping that people listening are taking a moment to just say, have I ever done that? Have I ever tried to one-up someone? Yeah, so, so take this moment. Like I'm going to give you a couple seconds of, of just reflection <laughs> um, where just think about the last time somebody came to you with a thing and think about... Um, it maybe it's a piece of, of of like drama or gossip or something or like let me tell you what's really going on. You know, how was your response? So just think about that for a second. I think that it's really important to take those pauses. Um, because I talk about this with a lot of people and even when I spend a lot of time defining empathy, excluding what empathy is not, talking about how it's not validations, it's not agreements, it's not disagreements, it's not reassurance, it's not all those things that you're tempted to say. 
still at the end of that, people say to me, but I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not doing anything if I'm just listening. And I want to scream, shut up. <laughs> shut up. You are. You, you know, less is more. And so if a, if a person comes to you, okay, let me use more names. If Sloan comes to Theo and Sloan says, oh my gosh, you won't believe this what happened to me. And Sloan starts to go through a, a terrible experience. Theo is likely to want to reassure. Oh, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Theo is likely to want to give advice. Here's what I think you should do. Theo is likely to want to validate how you feel makes perfect sense. I totally agree with you. And all I'm saying is Theo can do so much more by just listening and saying it back. And Theo is going to feel like he didn't do enough. Tough, Theo. Yeah. Suck it up. It's not about you, Theo. You are going to walk... <laughs> Leslie's son, his name is Theo, so we're both cracking up. Theo's going to walk away wondering, did I do enough? And I'm not bothered by that at all. Let Theo wonder if he did enough because Sloane is probably feeling like a million bucks because somebody heard her. Somebody slowed down enough to get it. And Sloane is probably walking on sunshine Unfortunately, yeah, Theo is probably wondering, should I have told her some advice? Should I have solved her problem? Should I have reassured her? You know, wrestle with that, Theo. That's fine. I'm happy if you held it back. Yeah, I feel like there's, uh, you know, people get emotional different ways. Some people are like uh, pots that are boiling over. And as soon as somebody um, lifts the lid, it's going to be like blah, 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 like all of the things out at once. But then there are those other people who let out a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And way on down the line, there is something that's very, very important to them to share. They need someone else to carry the conversation. And, you know, for those of us who are overflowing pots, myself included, um, you know, we may, we may think, okay, well, all your emotions are right. You know, you just told me all of them, but there are people who they, you know, they need to be reinforced. I don't know if reinforced is the right word, but they need to, to be allowed to get to the, the emotion that's way on down the line. And by doing this sort of active listening where it's really not about Theo, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really hard for me to say that, um, Sloan is getting an opportunity to um, to to really strengthen that relationship with Theo and and get through some stuff. I think for uh, for me that's something that I struggle with because I'll just go on like seventeen tangents and then leave, be like, you know what? Did I let this person emote enough? I I I smiled the whole way through that example, Leslie, because I do think that you are describing me that. You have taught me a lot about that. Yeah. When I have a story to tell, I might approach somebody who I trust and tell them 2% of that story. And then I, I'm testing. I wait and see how they respond. And if this person starts giving me a lot of advice and here's what I think you should do and don't worry, it's all going to be fine. They have failed the test and they don't get the other 98% of the story. And sometimes they pass that test they listen, they sit patiently, 
They don't tell me what to do. They don't shut me down. They don't try to like give me empty reassurance. So I might give them six more percent of the story. And if that goes well, maybe I give them 10 more percent of the story and eventually I'll get around to it. But I'm checking to see if this is a safe person to talk to. And a lot of people quickly show me that they're not willing to understand me. They would prefer to teach me what to do or teach me how to live my life or, or give me some wisdom they think they have. And so very often I don't get to share the story I was trying to share. Somebody thinks they heard it, but they heard 2% of it. Um, something I do as a you know, pot over bubbling person. Um, and you, you, I've never been called that in my life, but she called me a pothead listeners. Um, so uh, I really, um, this is going to sound so stupid, but I literally cover my mouth sometimes because I am just a blah, 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 blah person. And, and that's not the best way to deal with things a lot of the times. And also I'll, I'm just say the stupid stuff a lot <laughs> so um so sometimes when someone's really talking to me about something that's important I really just kind of prop my uh chin on my hand and put my finger over my lips I know that's like so like ridiculous but sometimes I need the reminder that it's not about me in that moment and I need to can it so that somebody else can get through it and I want them to and I want them to trust me and I want to walk out of that thinking you know not only was I trying to help, but maybe I did. Well, I'm really glad that you're sharing like a practical thing to do because, you know, you said you look at a lot of resumes for your job and people put active listening down probably because they like heard it in a class or in a workshop. Um, but also just socially, even not on resumes, socially you'll hear people say, oh, I'm a really good listener. And, um, and very often the people who describe themselves as really good listeners are actually full of a lot of advice and they think they're listening, but they're not listening. They're advising and those are different things. And so people, uh, people, PayPal <laughs> to the listeners of this podcast. Um, if you are not doing things like actively covering your mouth or actively in your mind telling yourself don't give advice right now don't reassure right now and you're just thinking you naturally do this I'm just gonna be honest with you I kind of doubt that you're naturally doing this it's that hard to do it's a really difficult skill and if you're not actively working on it like Leslie says she covers her mouth one thing I do is I lean back in my chair when I feel tempted to give advice. Because when I lean forward, it's like this go mode, like I'm ready to give something. When I lean back, it cues me to be in a listener mode. So whether you take Leslie's approach of, of physically covering your mouth, like muzzling yourself, or, <laughs> yeah, or my approach of like putting yourself in a relaxing position. I try to position my body to be relaxed so I'm not in go mode. I'm in slow down mode. Uh, if you're not doing something like that, whatever your version of that is, I doubt that you are as good a listener as you think you are. I think this is a, a practice that you have to be very intentional about. And if you think you were just born a good listener, I guess maybe you were, but I don't meet a lot of people who are just like born good listeners. This is something you have to practice. And if you're not practicing, please start. Well, this whole episode was supposed to be about the practice of expressing empathy. So it's not just something you feel. It is something you say out loud. 
Um, in fact, I've heard in some circles this described as clinical empathy, but I hesitated to name it that here because I'm hoping people will use this skill not in clinical encounters, but in everyday life encounters. So in episode or I shouldn't say episode one, part one of our empathy series, we defined empathy. This is part two. We talked about expressing it out loud. I'm hoping you decide to join us next time because we're going to talk about times that this is particularly hard. Those extra challenging times, not the regular challenging times, but when is it really hard to express empathy? When is it really put to the test? Um, And that will be part three of our series. So do you have anything to add, Leslie? Not until next time. (laughs) Oh, please stay tuned. Take care. Since that day I live in a dream